Want to hone your craft as a digital marketer and get expert insights from thought leaders and industry experts? Welcome to the How I Work podcast. I'm your host, Josh Becerra, founder and president of Agurian. Follow us on Twitter at Agurian Tweets or subscribe to our YouTube channel for more great content. Now, here's the episode of the podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Josh Becerra from Agurian. I am here with Peter Zavalos, fractional CMO at Authentic Brand. Hi, Peter. Thanks for being here. Well, hi. Thanks for having me on. And um, I'm super excited for the conversation. Yeah, me too. So uh, for all of you uh, listening, watching, Peter uh, is currently engaged with Authentic Brand. He's got a long-term assignment, but you are a two-time CMO, once for a public company, and then also uh, had some fun working uh, with a unicorn. So uh, big companies, lots of great experience. I'm super excited about the conversation. So before we get into it, can you just give us a little bit of that background, that story from like your first job and, and how you got into marketing in general? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I uh, got into marketing totally because I was lazy in college. And um, uh, I, uh, from the moment I got grades, they were always bad. So I was the only kid in uh, the very expensive private school my parents put me in in Berkeley, California, to not go to a four-year school. Yeah. And um, I went to a community college um, called Diablo Valley College. And uh, that gave me a chance to sort of reset. And I learned that I actually kind of like math and engineering. And I transferred to Berkeley and got a degree in computer science. Cool. Still never a great student. I was on academic probation three times. Uh, and my GPA was 2.3, which is the license plate on my car now. 2.3 GPA. Um, but uh, there were two tech companies interviewing on campus. Uh, and I signed up for the interviews and one of them offered me a job in product marketing, which I had no idea what that was. And it sent me down this path of um, marketing, learning marketing on the job and uh, getting into startup companies. So, you know, a year later, I was the 83rd employee at a semiconductor startup that ended up creating a whole new category in the market. Um, wow. And uh, going public, and uh, and that put me on a path of getting into small tech companies that were growing a lot. I was in three companies total that that uh, went public, and then along the way, um, three of my colleagues and I started a venture capital firm in two thousand four, mm -hmm. and um, out of Seattle, we raised one hundred and five million dollars, and um, that ended up performing incredibly well. We led the A round of a company called DocuSign yeah. and a, a company called Control4, both of which are public today. Um, and uh, that was super, super interesting and fun. And then uh, after that, I spent two cents as a CMO, uh, once for six years at a public company called SPS Commerce in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. It had a cloud-based supply chain platform for retailing. And then um, a little over, well, almost two years at this unicorn, Cumulo in Seattle that had a software-based uh, file storage platform for enterprises. That's an awesome company with great technology and had $250 million invested in it. Um, and they're definitely going after a multi-billion dollar outcome. So wow. 
And a couple of years ago, I started working for Authentic Brand as a fractional CMO. And that's where I've been engaged for the last seven months on a long-term client relationship. Well, I tell you, that is amazing experience. And like, we could probably spend a half hour on just about any piece of that. Um, but when you and I were prepping for this, we kind of went down this path around like culture and mindset um, and how like that really impacts uh, the efficacy of marketing teams. And I just thought that was super duper interesting. So while, you know, we could talk about your experience at, you know, doing the VC thing, we could talk about your early days taking uh, companies all the way through to going public. For me, like the audience here, I think would, for what would be really interesting to them is this idea around culture and mindset. So let's, let's start there. Um, let's talk about culture. So like what makes for good culture? What are the attributes of like a high performing culture? Um, what have you been able to do when in your different roles there? Yeah, that and we talked about this because it's a super important, uh, it's not even a topic. It's like a super important um, belief um, I yeah. got that creating a culture where the people on your team feel safe to take risks and make mistakes and to view mistakes as data, um, that is the foundation of a high-performing organization. Yeah. And the first time I think I ever really came to realize that was when I joined SPS Commerce. And it was the first time uh, I thought, I have an obligation to all these people in these departments that report to me to create an environment where they feel fulfilled and can do their best work. Yeah. So um, we did uh, create a culture where, uh, you know, one of the, the, the observations I would make to them is um, there is no penalty for action. Yeah. Course corrections come for free. Like if you've decided to just run in a direction and we find out later we need to change the direction, that's great. Yeah. Because you learn something. But if you're waiting to be told what to do, then we have a really big problem. Like there's, we don't have a role in the org yeah. for that. Or if but you don't then, uh, course correct... You know, of course, correct. You end up being the Titanic. You 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 run yeah. you run into an iceberg, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that brings up a, a, another attribute of this is how do you create a culture where people are encouraged to be curious, open-minded learners? Yeah, like so much of what we do in marketing today um, didn't exist two years ago, and what we're doing today is going to be obsolete in a year. Yeah. So it's. Um, you know, the culture of the, of the team that you assemble is so much more important than the, um, the experience of any one individual member. Yeah. You know, yeah, you may, that, go ahead. I, no, I really think that's true. And I think it has to be kind of a top-down thing or like from the marketing perspective, we need to like ma manage up to like the C-suite and make sure that there's alignment, like, you know, CEO, CFO, they have to kind of get this same mindset and culture, right? Yeah, you're absolutely right. It all starts at the top. So, um, you know, as a CMO, that was, I felt like I'd go back to this obligation mm -hmm. to say, this is how we should behave. So what is the best way to get people to trust you when you say, this is what we should do? It's to live what you're telling them to do. Yeah. So. 
Um, it has to come with a huge dose of transparency and humility. And I have something called a user manual that's a one-page document that just lists all of the things I expect of me and my relationship with the people I work with. You know, and one of the tenets in there is I am going to make mistakes and I'm going to own up to them. Um, regardless of how painful or embarrassing that's going to be. Yeah. But by me being able to admit to the team, I made a mistake or I thought this was the right thing to do. And we just learned it wasn't. What are we going to do about that? That's how you get them to feel like, okay, I can be, I can trust that I can do the same thing. Yeah. And be greeted with that kind of response. Yeah. I think so, modeling that behavior is, is so important. It does give kind of, it liberates people all the way throughout the, you know, the organization to feel like, wow, if, if the leader's willing to go out there and do that, then I sure can too. Yeah. It, I love how you use the term weight. Cause the first time I did that in front of a hundred people, um, it felt like a thousand pounds came off my back. Yeah. Just to be able to say, you guys all saw it. You knew it was a screw up. I know it's a screw up. So by admitting it to everybody, all of a sudden, you know, it completely takes it off the table, takes it off your back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is a, a, a piece of this where when we can talk about like reality and just like facts and like remove ego from it. It just makes yeah. everybody like level set and everybody can like contribute or like function. Like there's just better executive function, better decision-making comes from people who don't have to be thinking about ego. And if they're just thinking about facts and reality, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter um, that it might've been your idea to begin with. If you now know that, that we need to change. That's the important part, not that you got credit for the idea in the first place. Yeah. Well, I love this idea of a user manual. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to maybe share that with me. Maybe I can share it with the the group here. Um, that would be really cool to see what's all on that on that list. Um, another cool. thing that another thing that we talked about was uh, you know around mindset, like fixed versus open mindset. And you kind of told me a little bit of a story about um, uh, something you learned. Uh, from Amazon about write a lot. So maybe you could start there and then kind of relate that to this fixed versus open mindset. Yeah, a, a person that I worked with for almost 20 years, both at Real Networks and then at the, the venture capital firm is a partner at a, a large VC firm in Seattle. And they happen to be the firm that, that led Amazon's A round. Nice. So they've got a special relationship with Amazon. And at one point, Jeff Bezos came over to the partnership and spent some time and the subject of write-a-lots came up. And at Amazon, a write-a-lot is someone who is right a lot about a very specific subject area. Yeah. Because you have to be a real expert in that. You can't be right a lot about a thousand things. Um, and the question got posed, what makes someone write a lot? And Jeff said, they change their mind a lot. Hmm. And, and he went on to say, you know, write a lot are people who will let go of the belief that they had about something when they encounter data that tells them that that belief is no longer valid or relevant. Yeah. 
So these are super open-minded people who are constantly testing their assumptions sure. um, about something. And that ties into what you were just remarking on about humility. That's going to be somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of ego. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter if you were right a month ago. Today, you might be wrong. And so I just love this idea that that you can label somebody as a right a lot because they're the curious, open-minded kind of person we should all be. Yeah. And I think you nailed it right there. It's like, it starts with curiosity, right? It starts with someone being so interested in like maybe this very specific thing that they just continue to explore it and explore it. Um, so I think it's, I think it's kind of a brilliant concept and yeah, anytime I've, in my experience, encountered someone who kind of has this fixed mindset around like, this is how we have done things, or this is how it worked in this previous company that I, I worked at. And we had a lot of success. Like you said earlier, like two years ago, we didn't have anything that we're using today. And two years from now, it's going to look totally different. And if you lack that curiosity and you think you got it figured out, like you're, you've lost. Yeah. Yeah. At that company uh, at, uh, in Minneapolis, um, we basically built a marketing organization from scratch, like a, a digital marketing organization. And we made a really important hire early on. Uh, this incredibly talented woman um, was our first search engineer. And she was like the most curious person on the planet still is. She's just phenomenal. And um, at one point, my favorite part of that job was when this woman would come up to me while I was walking through the group and pull me aside and say, you know, I was looking at something and can I tell you about it? Yeah. And um, so this happened and she said, you know, I was looking at, we've got two really, really talented copywriters here. And I was looking at one of our more traffic pages and I thought, and this is like what she's describing is mainstream now to the point sure. you just made, like everything changes. But back then she said, what if we wrote that copy with the search strategy in mind? Like, let's get all the terms we want to, to rank well yeah. and then write the copy. She goes, so I did that. And then I did an A-B test and it turns out we got 10 times more engagement on the search optimized copy than just the copywriter copy. Sure. Um, and that alone, was just brilliant following your nose. But then we had a culture on the team where she then went to the copywriters and said, hey, guess what? We have a new way of doing this. And she was able to impart to the two copywriters how to go do this so that what she discovered was a new capability for the team yeah. so that she could then go on and apply her curiosity to a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, and it totally raised the game of what we were doing. Eventually that woman, was part of a team that got us to a 37% close rate on opportunities from form submission to revenue. Yeah. Because we optimized like you would not believe. So yeah, curiosity is the name of the game. And yeah. um, it's fun to see it happen when you just get out of somebody's way and let them follow their nose. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think if you as a, as a leader are really like trying to model that behavior and explain that, you know, it's like this idea of bridging like this mindset and culture and making people feel safe. If you can like hit on that, like trifecta, I think that's where 
really high performing marketing teams live. And, um, and so I'm, I'm just, I think you've nailed it. You know, I, I love it. Um, one of the things that we, we also talked about uh, was your experience with the VC firm. And of course, as a VC, you're looking at deals and you're trying to understand, should we make this investment? Shouldn't we make this investment? And part of that is understanding the underlying assumptions that are backing like the thesis that the entrepreneur is pitching you, right? Um, so you told me like, we would always focus on assumptions. And you also said you thought that this was a good thing for marketers to do is like focus on assumptions. So can you talk a little bit about that experience and what you mean by that? Yeah, so that's something I learned. Um, you know, we would uh, we'd look at three hundred something deals a year, and we'd fund two to three. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and so you take three hundred, and then you you'd find thirty that you thought were interesting, and you'd spend time on those, and then you'd winnow it down to where you're really looking hard at, at a couple. Yep. So um, I would end up spending a lot of time with the founder, um, looking at their uh, operating plan, their revenue plan. And really scrutinizing it, what I was looking for was what are the assumptions about this business that are encoded in this revenue plan? And at one point, you know, I was with this, this guy in the conference room for a couple hours and he looked at me, he's like, why are you grilling me on this yeah. so hard? And I said, you know, I'm trying to get clarity on the assumptions behind this. Like, and I said, as soon as you ship your product, the all we know about this revenue plan is all the numbers are going to be wrong yeah. because now you're in the market and everything's changed. And there's no way today that you know what revenue is going to be in month 33. Yeah. Like it's just a guess. If there's one thing it's that's a, certain, it's that the plan is not right. <laughs> yeah. But what, what is really important is that if your plan says that in month 33, 60% of my sales are going to be coming from partners, and you're in month seven of rolling this plan out and you don't have any revenue coming from partners, then you'd start saying, I better start keeping an eye on that assumption. Yeah. Like maybe I was wrong about the partners. So, um, and after that experience, I front loaded this conversation with the next CEO I talked to, to say, let's start digging into your assumptions. <laughs> but that, that playbook of focusing on the assumptions is just as useful in a public company that's doing hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue because anything you're doing that has any significance has got some assumptions underneath it. Yeah. And you're going to collect some data that's going to tell you, are my assumptions still tracking or not? And in a marketing organization, this is just a foundational capability because you've got data everywhere. Yeah. And uh, and you've got unknowns everywhere. You know, uh, I was just, uh, the company I'm helping with now had done no search engine optimization of any kind. Yeah. So we have this super awesome search engineer on board and he's trying to work with the, uh, the finance department to say, well, what's our revenue plan look like from organic? And he's experienced enough to be able to say, I can't predict this. Because um, you can't predict how your organic growth is going to, trend yeah you know you don't know what pages those are yet you don't know what the search volume is and and um but he's doing a really good job of saying well let's just start creating a model but let's start writing the assumptions down about how we think our organic performance is going to evolve yeah 
Yeah, um, I, so yeah, that's that's super smart. Like I I feel like many times I will walk into kind of uh, meetings with prospects and they will say, you know, hey, these are our KPIs. This is what we need to hit. And like the first question I ask is, how did you come up with those numbers, right? Yeah. Um, and a lot of times there's data to back it up. Like, don't get me wrong. People are using data, smart people. I'm, I'm not saying that, but um, there have been plenty of times where it's like, this is aspirational. It's not actually based in, in fact or data. And that those are the times where like as an agency, we have to really lean in and, and try to like, move people in this direction of, of like, Hey, let's question those assumptions before we get too far down the road, or at least like have them known labeled so that when we do see, like, it's not working out the way that the CFO projected, well, let's talk about why that might be. Yeah. A couple of jobs ago, I got in, I, like to me in marketing, the most important relationship I need to have aside from being um, fused to the sales organization is the CFO. Yeah. And um, a few jobs ago, I had an awesome CFO and uh, we were talking about, you know, as we were starting to ramp up paid search, she was like, well, why don't we just put more money into this? Because the ROI is clear. And I was like, yeah. well, there's a thing called search volume <laughs> and you, you can't just keep pouring the money in. And I said, it's a good question. We need to go find out you know, where do we have enough headroom for pouring more money in is going to work, but you, you can't just run those numbers forward because yeah. they don't map to reality. And it's a good example of where, yeah, the assumption that you can just keep pouring money into it, not valid. Yeah. Yeah. There's diminishing returns on a number of different levels. Right. And one of those for sure is, Hey, we ran out of people who actually are searching for this. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I tell you what, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate your time and expertise. Um, you know, that user manual that you mentioned, I'd love to grab a copy of that. Um, and if you want to come back on another How I Work and talk more about culture and mindset, I would be I would be game to do it. So I really appreciate let's, let's, it. Thank you so much. Let's plan on that and I will get you that user manual. So okay. thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks so much. Bye now. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the How I Work podcast with Josh Becerra. If you like what you heard, make sure you subscribe. To learn more about Agurian and for more digital marketing tips and insights, head to agurian.com.